millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Online, on your mobile, and on FM. From the home of time, this is Maritime Radio Greenwich. We threw on thousands of pigs because the, this lot aren't going to change their way until pigs fly. Next time I excuse because it ain't going to happen until hell freezes over. <laughs> Good Welcome to Charlton Live here on Maritime Radio. My name <laughs> so, so I made that about five minutes before the start of the show. It sounds a lot funnier than I thought it would. <laughs> Joining me in the studio here at the Valley after an incredible day yesterday, uh, which saw mass protests, fans united protests between the Charlton fans and the commentary fans. Joining me here at the Valley, Tom Wallin. Tom, how are you doing? Evening, Lou. Yeah, not too bad. Yeah, it's good to have you here. Nathan Muller, good to see you again in your, in your Charlton tracksuit there. Yeah, my Charlton tracksuit. Nice. Celebrate the win. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. Big lunch. I'm all picked out at the moment. <laughs> and making his long-awaited return. He heard there was pork on offer uh, to the Valley <laughs> and, and to the uh, to the uh, the Charlton Live studio. Former stadium announcer, 
always Cholton Live member, now also uh, card megaphone man. Oh god, Dave Lockwood, how you doing, Dave? I'm all right. Good evening. It's it's strange. I dodged the covert security to get in here tonight. So <laughs> we're all right. Yeah. We haven't been attacked on the way. No, 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 that's good. That's good. That makes some of us. <laughs> right. uh, on tonight's show, of course, we're going to look back at yesterday's three uh, 0 victory over Coventry. It's almost easy to forget that we actually had a game yesterday. Uh, the the phenomenal uh, protest, the, the uniting of the uh, the Charlton fans of the Coventry fans to protest against the regimes of either club. We've uh, we've got interviews with Charlton fans and with a, a Coventry fan. Um, we've got a, an exclusive interview of Russell Slade after yesterday's win, uh, and also it was a really nice surprise after just to top everything off after yesterday when I was in uh, the tunnel. Sue Sue told me that Radstan Kishishev was here, one of my all-time favourite Charlton players. And uh, sure enough, Sue had managed to bag Kish uh, to, to come down to the Charlton Live studio and give us an exclusive interview with Terry so we find out how, uh, how Radistan Kishishev uh, is getting on. But right, first things first, let's, uh, yesterday was a fascinating day here at the Valley and uh, there's only one man who knows how to, or well, two men really, who knows how to describe that sort of action. Terry Smith and Greg Stubbley take us through the highlights of a, a, a quite bizarre day here at Charlton uh, as we beat Coventry by three goals to nil. Charlton it will be to get us underway here at the Valley. Referee, Mr. Dedman, gets us underway here at the Valley. And uh, the ball goes back to Morgan Fox in the left-back slot. As uh, a multitude of flying pigs descend upon the Valley. players have to uh, stay in and around the centre circle although Patrick Bowers, uh, this is going to take some clearing Greg. It's come from all sides of the ground as well. It's coming from everywhere from the uh, commentary end as well uh, Stewart's coming on to uh, and, uh, ground staff, and Patrick Bowers giving, his, uh, giving a hand Adam Ola-Lookman's uh, doing keepy-uppies with a pig but he never thought you did ever hear the, the day where I said that? <laughs> There's uh, more pigs rain down on the pitch. And you can hear the crowd, I'm sure. We could have a considerable delay here. Unlike uh, beach balls and softballs, pigs don't roll as well. I don't mean that in any bad, uh, bad way to pigs, necessarily. <laughs> pigs aren't natural rollers. <laughs> I would have said. <laughs> I was just laughing because uh, Charlton's official Twitter's put players stopped pigs on pitch. <laughs> They've well, tweeted out not real ones. It's accurate. <laughs> throwing a load of pigs, live pigs on the pitch. <laughs> we don't condone such things here on uh, CFC Player HD, obviously. Cross chips it back inside to Holmes. Poor first touch and it's closed down. Fox has it. Coventry struggling to clear they do eventually Orvostad helps it back in and Holmes is onside Holmes yeah, on Ricky Holmes long ball forward from Orvostad caused confusion in the Coventry box Ricky Holmes was onside takes a touch and manages just to place it past Burge to give Charlton the lead oh and uh, some great work basically Ricky Holmes played the defence superbly they started pushing out but they started pushing out after the ball was in the air and left Ricky Holmes all on his own he did superbly just to bring it down he didn't panic turned just slotted it past Burge who didn't stand a chance as the game is back underway Coventry have possession 
back to Lamaris. Plays inside to pick her arm though. Overdoing it here, Coventry. They'll try. It comes to Stevenson, who's in acres of space. Goes for goal, close down by Cross. And then Wright, good right. save from Wright. Comes back in dangerous area. And oh, Rudd, another great save. He deflected off the foot of Allstad. And Rudd makes two important saves. Coming up to 33 minutes gone in this second half. <coughs> goal kick comes towards McGuinness. Gets something on it, but uh, Turnbull also something on it. But it'll drop to Holmes, who tries to find McGuinness again. Turnbull back there. McGuinness putting him under all sorts of pressure. Turnbull makes a mistake and McGuinness has it now. He's got Lookman in the middle, finds Adamola. Lookman, yes! there's number two! A simple finish for Charlton's young striker, made 100% by Josh McGuinness, who forced Turnbull into the error. And Charlton have a 2 0 cushion, which could be vital. Yeah, massive credit to Josh McGuinness there. He got Turnbull in a situation where Turnbull didn't want to clear his right foot. And looks to play a neat little ball forward. It was poor. It's cut out by McGuinness. Brings the ball forward into the penalty area. And then he plays it across unselfishly and correctly to find Adam Lutman who could tap home from close range. 2 0 Charlton. And that's the second goal they've been looking for. The run of McGuinness, pretty much where the goal came from last time. And he's done it again. He's got past Turnbull again. Back in the field this time to Lutman again over the oh. bar. Adam Lutman, the goal gaping at his mercy. And he just got underneath it. It was just behind him. Uh, McGuinness did brilliant again. Turnbull's absolutely having a torrid time at the back. Tries to go past Reed, does so, gets the ball up to Overstead. Overstead, instant ball into the run of uh, McGuinness. Lovely control. Can McGuinness finish? Oh, oh yes, he can! Oh, what, a what a goal, goal from Josh is. McGuinness! Super work down that right hand side. Firstly from Chris Solly, then from uh, substitute Brandon Hanlon. And a lovely ball from Ulverstadt to pick out McCann, who brought it down, and then a little chip over the advancing Lee Burge to put this game beyond doubt. Lemiris uh, shot, attempted shot, is blocked by Crofts. But it matters not, because that's the end of the game. Charlton, who arguably had to win this game, we mentioned it before, have done exactly that. So there we go, the commentary from yesterday's 3-0 uh, win. Over Coventry and uh, <laughs> at the start, uh, pigs did fly, didn't they, Dave? I mean, uh, I did. Yeah. What did you make of that? <laughs> Bizarre. I mean, you hark back to last season and the beach balls and the stress balls on the pitch, but um, the pigs seemed to be a little bit different because obviously Terry was right. You know, they were more difficult for them to pick up, and I think it, it was as long the uh, the time the delay that uh, that took place as, as the stress balls, and I think. Um, it was interesting to see uh, all the players trying to get the balls, or the pigs off the pitch as well, and everything like that. Um, I think the point was made, wasn't it, that um, <laughs> all this regime change, well, pigs might fly, you know. So uh, we'll have to wait and see what the outcome of it is. But certainly, I think we were talking beforehand. The protest yesterday seemed to get more coverage because of the flying pigs than, than anything else I mean your tweet was across the world you know yeah, in, got, yeah. In, in terms of for, in terms of numbers of retweets is my most retweeted tweet by miles um, yeah. uh, if you see the amount of different news agencies uh, Louis Seeley from the shop I have one that had nearly 800 retweets on a video of it really there was uh, you know as you say there's news from all over the world pictures on, in, in America in, in Italy in, in just every single corner of the Uruguay. world U- Uruguay 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 yeah, yeah. Um, you know it, it, for, some, for some reason the pigs picked up 
it just picked up more more uh, people noticing that it, it was more interesting than, than stress balls or beach balls for some reason. I don't know why. Is it because yeah. pigs are funny animals? Well, <laughs> pigs, are, pigs are lovely, aren't they? Especially yeah. bacon with a bit of tomato ketchup in between two slices of bread as well. But, you know. Uh, <laughs> That's the real reason you came. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, just to see if I could get any bacon sandwiches. But no, <laughs> s- seriously, it, it's made the point from the protesters, it's made the point to the owner of the club yet again. You know, who has not been at the ground for, what, two years now to see a game? Regardless of the fact they stream the games to him. Yeah, right, well, pigs might fly there. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact is that, that the majority of Charlton fans don't trust the regime and the majority of Charlton fans want them gone. And the only way Charlton fans can make their point is to protest. And protest they will. And now, as something else that caught the imagination yesterday... Uh, was the fact that for the for the first time we we, we uh, the Charlton fans joined up with the fans of another club who also have their own problems and Tom I mean Tom I saw, I saw you I don't know if you saw me actually but you were st- waiting at the top at the top of Floyd Road when the march was about to start so you, you saw it all happening I mean yeah. did, was, was, did that send a very powerful message in, in your opinion Yeah it was really impressive to see I didn't I didn't understand quite how it was going to work at first I didn't realise the commentary fans were marching from uh, marching from the bottom but. Um, so I just happened to be there and was expecting them all to come down the hill. But to see them march up first and then the Charlton fans come down and then join together and then walk together was it was a really powerful message. And it was picked up, again, picked up by a lot of news outlets, certainly in this country. And, you know, we've obviously got our own problems, but at the same time, it's pretty impressive for two clubs to acknowledge that there's other clubs in the same situation. And, you know, the hashtag Fans United is used for a lot of reasons, but I don't think there's many as powerful as what went went on yesterday because... It's two clubs in real trouble and like I say, I think we deserved to win yesterday and Coventry didn't put up much of a fight in terms of the game but I wish them all the best because you know, we've been, we're in that situation as well. We've got difficulties off the pitch and I thought their fans were fantastic and, and our fans did well as well. Nathan, uh, did, did you throw any pigs on the pitch? This is an amnesty. Yeah, no, I didn't get hold of any pigs to be honest. <laughs> no? No, to be honest, I thought because everyone was saying they were going to get searched and stuff but I thought... I, there weren't a lot of room left to put them down my trousers, if you know what I mean. But um, <laughs> <laughs> someone telling Paulkies. <laughs> no, but I did. I did. I did, <laughs> did manage to get anything. Um, but yeah, no. Just to echo what Tom said, it was it was quite surreal to see um, the commentary fans come up from the anti Gallican and, and then come back down again and merge together. It was quite. Um, it was something. It was quite surreal to see, and it was it was pretty amazing that we all sort of filtered out through into the West End as well. So I think one of the things you, you told us to get some interviews, and obviously I had technical issues. But the people I did speak to, one of the two that I managed to interview was a Coventry fan, uh, and I didn't realise when I started because he wasn't dressed in any sort of football shirt or anything. He was just holding a placard. So I started to talk to him and started to interview him, and then it was only about a minute into the interview I realised he was a Coventry fan. Yeah. So I think that shows, you know, it was literally, it wasn't like they were even in pockets of t- uh, fans either side. It was literally Coventry, Charlton, Coventry, Charlton, and it, it could have been anyone. It could have been. I, th- I think we have to recognise the fact that Coventry are in a far worse situation than Cheltenham. Yeah, I think, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that's fair as well, yeah. yeah. I think, you know, they're for the grace of God and all that. They're going to lose their stadium because they can't agree with the, the deal with Wasps, who are the new owners of the stadium. Looking likely, they're going to lose their training ground. So they are in a hell of a position, you know, the city of Coventry deserves a decent football club. It's mm. a huge footballing city. They, you know, they were always a thorn in our side whenever we played them. I know there's history between the fans, let's say, but what happened yesterday showed that when you've got a common problem, you can solve it. You can try and solve it together, and certainly did. And uh, the unity yesterday was shown by the Coventry fans. 
you know, equalled that of the Brighton fans last season as well. Mm. So you, you just got to say hats off to them. They were fantastic. They were coming up to us. They were patting our backs afterwards. You know, regardless of the result. They obviously had hoped to win, but they were coming up. Really hope you, you know, you get you, you win your fight. Really hope you win your fight as well, because it, what does it say about the state of English football when you've got owners that stay away, have no interest in the football club, gamble with these football clubs that have no idea of what it means to people, and obviously the Coventry fans are, are, are feeling the same as we are at the moment. It'd be the majority of us. Interesting to try and see. Uh, how the fans of both clubs, how they, how they, if, if they think this has had an effect yet, if they think it will have an effect, because I mean, th- th- this is something that sort of wound me up yesterday when I was in the tunnel after the game, um, stuffing my pockets for the pigs. <laughs> there was uh, there was a couple of bin bags for the pigs, and uh, two two people walked down the tunnel. I, I didn't recognise them. Uh, one of them was wearing a sky blue tie. One of them was a tall lady with uh, a, sort of a slightly older, middle aged sort of tall lady, blonde hair, graying blonde hair, tied up. And uh, she's looking at this bag of pigs and uh, sort of laughing and going, oh, I'm going to take those home for my kids, actually. And I was laughing and I was like, yeah, I'm taking a few too. And then I thought about it. I thought, who, who are these two people? This man in a Coventry City blue tie who's not the manager and this woman. So I went and Googled image Coventry Sisu bosses. Sure enough, that was the Coventry Sisu boss. In, uh, and I'm certain it's her. Yeah. I looked at I looked at the image. I compared it to what I remembered. It was definitely her. The, I, I spoke to someone from one of the local commentary papers, and they contacted the club. We've now decided that she wasn't at the game. Debatable because I've double checked <laughs> this photo, and I'm certain it's her. But they were laughing and taking the pigs home. So it, it's one of those things there. They, they might be laughing it off now, but do you think it has an effect behind the scenes? I think it's going to have. It's, this is going to have to have an effect. I mean, funny enough, tomorrow. Uh, I believe it's the um, Department for Culture, Media and Sports, so or the, 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 the committee for that in Parliament is actually interviewing the FA tomorrow. Uh, now, I tweeted out something earlier to them, you know, Matt, Matt's, uh, Matt's storyfy of the protest yesterday, because it just shows you've got two massive football clubs. You know, we are, we're a big club, they're a big club. All right, we're not getting the crowds at the moment, but we're both big clubs being run badly and this is English football. And what are they doing? What are the FA doing to stop this? Why are we allowing these owners to run clubs into the ground and pay no, no respect to, to you know the history, the the culture of our game? Mm, I agree. I think in terms of Charlton getting rid of Roland and new owners coming in, this isn't going to change it overnight by any no. means. But all these protests, you know, there's at least another club every season that seem to get into trouble. At least one more. And as Dave says, there, in terms of a longer term goal. It is going to have an effect, and perhaps one day in three, four, five years' time, when the fit and proper persons test are different, when the way that football clubs are allowed to be run is different, we'll look back at some of these protests and they'll all have played their part because they just raised the profile of these cases. And like like Dave says there, there's so many clubs now falling into this amount of trouble. And, you know, one one protest where we throw a load of pigs on the pitch, yeah, it's a bit funny and everyone has a laugh at it. But as you've all said, look how much media coverage it got around the world yesterday and that's going to have an effect is it going to affect Roland today when he wakes up maybe not but over time it will and over time it will affect the the powers that be and perhaps they will change got a tweet from Lee Harmon which we're going to come on to that in a minute Lee because it's definitely a subject that's going to prop up so I'm not missing it but Carol says uh, fans of English clubs should launch a national campaign for a change to the German ownership model uh, e.g. 51% fan owned and that's something that Roland actually had to, has run into a bit of trouble with with his, with his German team whereby his, they were, he was accused of trying to wield too much power despite only having 49% 
Uh, Bob Liscombe says, evening from Beckenham with a photo of a pig. Uh, <laughs> it's nice to meet you uh, finally yesterday, Bob. Uh, he says, were the pigs something to do with the likelihood of RD not selling or KM telling porkies? It's more of the, I think the, the card slogan was, uh, are, are the Charlton and uh, Coventry owners going to change their ways uh, when pigs fly? Uh, Ray Bates said, uh, spent all week clearing my diary then didn't want to drive up to see what's happened to our club. It was very sad. Yeah. Um, uh, Bob says, hopefully something similar for the return fixture. And uh, Pete says, just back from Spain, protest coverage plus uh, cover on Build newspaper in Germany, concerned by new club security measures. Though, And that is something we're going to come on to uh, in a little while because it's certainly been a talking point after yesterday's game. Right before uh, yesterday's game, I was tasked with uh, grabbing a Cholton fan and a Coventry fan uh, to do an interview. Uh, this, this was for BBC London. So I mean, this, this shows how much... They, they, they never asked me to do anything other than, other than my, my, my descent of the score at half time. So <laughs> the, fact they actually wanted, the fact they actually wanted something shows how interested that the you know, producers of wider media were in this protest. And I caught up with... Uh, 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 Heather Alderson, who's a, a member of CARD, a Charlton fan, and uh, I was, <laughs> this is ironically, I was due to speak to a, um, a Coventry fan called Yan, which is rubbing it in, uh, but couldn't do, couldn't do Yan, ended up with one called Steve Brown instead. <laughs> so uh, uh, this is uh, me catching up with, uh, with Heather and with Steve, uh, Charlton and Coventry fans, to find out why they were on the march before yesterday's game. Today's bottom half League One tie between Charlton and Coventry pits two clubs now in crisis against each other. The Addicts were relegated last season from the Championship and their Belgian owner, Roland Duchatelet, and CEO Katrine Mayer are under pressure to sell the club by protest group The Coalition against Roland Duchatelet, who accused the regime of gross mismanagement of the club's fortunes. Coventry's owners, Sisu, are also under pressure to offload the Sky Brews uh, from the newly formed Fight the Jimmy Hillway Alliance protest group. The two sets of supporters are uniting today to protest as one against the management of their their respective football clubs with a procession down to the valley. Joining me here at the beginning of the march, I have Charlton fan Heather and uh, Coventry fan Steve. Uh, Steve, I'll start with you. Uh, what message are you hoping that uh, this Fans United protest will send to the owners of both clubs today? Well, I think as supporters, we're very um, keen on keeping everybody together. I think the fact that it's a joint and it's a coalition of two lots of supporters who are in a bad place and keeping it to, together as a group. Um, whether it ever solve any problems, we don't know, but I just think that people should see that they're not all fans of the people that you see on the street. We just want to go and support our team but we want to support a team that's got a future and that's got some investment and people who actually genuinely care about their clubs. Heather, the coalition against Roland du Chatelet have been involved in some fairly innovative uh, protests last season. Why have they decided to sort of start things again this season? Well the club has been saying that they've learned from their mistakes and the evidence is that they've done none of that. Uh, the most recent story that's uh, really annoyed a lot of fans has been the story that uh, Thomas Dryzen, the uh, so-called mysterious network scout, is still having an influence on the, on the team, on influence on the players being bought and sold. And so therefore, as far as we're concerned, nothing has changed. We are still in the position we're in and, and we need to fight. Yeah. Uh, Coventry, like Cholton, are a club with you know, fine history, FA Cup winners in 87. You've got mainstays in the top flight if you go back a few years. Um, how, how do you sum up the issues that are at the Rico Arena nowadays? Uh, it's poor. Um, we did have a situation where we had lots of little groups trying to do protests. What we did is that the Sky Blue Trust brought everyone together and now we've got fighting the Jimmy Hills Way. The road outside um, the stadium at the Rico is now going to be called Jimmy Hills Way and the idea is exactly the same as Charlton. We're going to have our own march next week where we're going to walk from a local park just to show that the fact that the fans are united and that we're craving for a new owner. And uh, the protest today owned at the, uh, aimed at the owners of each club. 
do you also feel there's perhaps the football authorities can do things to help supporters of Charlton and Coventry? Absolutely. I think it's becoming a pattern now. I mean, Coventry fans, Charlton fans, Blackpool fans, Leeds fans, the list goes on. Uh, fans now fighting for the heart and soul of the football clubs that have been part of their communities for years. And increasingly we're feeling let down by the Football League. Uh, finally, I mean, how, how many people are you expecting on this march down to the valley today? And you know, do, do you think the protests will achieve the desired outcomes? Do you think they'll have an effect? Well, it's always hard to predict a number, but um, Coventry are estimating around 500 coming down from Coventry to join on the march today, which is fantastic. And we're hoping all together we'll get around to 2,000 people. Uh, but come on down. Yeah. And uh, do you think Co the, the Coventry fans will get the desired effect from t today's protests? Well, uh, on the social media, it's been very, very popular. I mean, my colleague standing next to me just decided to drive all the way down from Bury today just to get behind this march. And, and that's the enthusiasm, because the fact that the fans are getting together, this is a first, this has never been done before, where two lots of fans are going to walk together to a stadium with one united aim and what, what, get one message over to the fact that owners who think that they can run a club and want to run a club are like to sit up in the high chairs they're not the club. They're just walking away from their customers, the people that are putting the money in into these clubs. Cash sees, but all McCoffey's oh, line, he's gone for it, you know. Oh, what a goal! Oh, what a goal by Armacashi! Oh! That's almost at the halfway line! Unbelievable strike! That is outrageous! Right footed! Well, he saw Ulrich off his line! What a goal! Charlton from the home of time. This is Maritime Radio, Greenwich. Carol, a heavy defeat at Burnley today. How do you sum that one up? We were good. Charlton Live. Talking back to Charlton Live here on Maritime Radio. So we just heard there from uh, from Heather and from Steve, the Charlton and the Coventry fans. And uh, I, I wonder if um, the the fight, the Jimmy Hillway Alliance, are actually, are actually quite a newly formed protest group. Yeah. Card have been going for... What, about a year now, maybe just just under a year, was it? No, what was Card it? was about a year ago, yeah, wasn't it? About it, it January, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I, that's, I, was, I think uh, the, the commentary problems have been going on longer than much longer. They've had CSU for about nine years now. Um, I just wonder if, and, and they've had all these different fractions of fan groups that want to want to sort of try and protest and stuff. But now they've come together, and I think I, I wonder if they might just learn a little bit from Card because I think when you, when you look at some of the protest groups that are around there, Card are probably. I think it's. I hope I'm not being biased. I think it's fair to say one of the better organised groups out there. So I, want, I wonder if by, by working together with uh, with with uh, Car, that, that hopefully the commentary fans will have learned something that they can use uh, when, when they go to their march next week. I think this is the 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 thing that we kind of grasp that Cheltenham fans are different. We've we've had this ability. Yeah, I know I'm different. <laughs> there we go. We've had this ability as Cheltenham fans to organise ourselves before and do things. You know, the history is there, you know, standing as the Valley Party, getting Cheltenham back to the Valley. Target 40,000, where Cheltenham fans, directors sat together to get Charlton into the Premiership and then to keep us in the Premiership and do all those things that we did then. So the history is there, and I would imagine that a lot of the people that were around at that time are with Card now, so are able to organise it. So... You know, when certain people turn around and say to 
the management here, you bought the wrong club. They didn't obviously do their research into the Charlton fans because, you know, the Charlton fans will stand up and fight for what they think is right, whereas other clubs possibly wouldn't. Mm. Right. Uh, also, before uh, yesterday's march, I caught up with a, a couple of Charlton fans that, that, that yeah, I know. Uh, Martin Flynn is an uh, is, uh, addicted addict on Charlton. He's... Uh, he, uh, Goes to goes to most games. He's uh, he's a very well spoken Charlton fan. They've got Kyle Andrews, who's also who runs the Chris Powell's Black Cap uh, blog. He's uh, also he's a very good writer and a very good speaker. So I wanted to hear what they why those two found themselves on the protest uh, before yesterday's game. Mine, uh, why are you protesting today? Um, yeah, basically, I just think the, the timing at the moment is kind of right to do it. Um, you know, there hasn't been protest for the first two and a half months of the season and the team's been given a chance to try and perform on the pitch. And that's fair enough. We all know it's not going great, but League One's still quite tight and things could turn around there. But the fact of the matter is, I still think with the current ownership in charge of the club, there's still like a spectre hanging over the club. And if things don't go well, things can turn quite nasty quite quickly. And I don't think personally that will ever change until this ownership has left the club. And I just feel today that I want to voice my opinion on that with other supporters as well. And, you know, I, I, I hope that we can bring in an ownership who wants to take Charlton Athletic for, forward as a football club, basically. Carl, have you found that your, your view on the ownership has changed at all over the summer? Uh, not at all. It's probably got, probably got worse, actually. Um, there was, I know there were some fans that were a bit more... A bit more willing to, to see what they would do and give them a, a, another chance to pull the other chances they've had. Um, but I still think the majority were pretty sort of certain in their views and have been for a long time. Um, but regardless, they've had this chance to, to learn from their mistakes, they keep repeating, and they've not done that. They're still making the same sort of mistakes. Still, the sound bites that they give are, are pathetic, and they're still saying the wrong things. And they're not their actions and the, all the things that are coming out, such as the, the Thomas Dress and stuff. It's all damaging to the club, all damaging to the relationship between the supporters and the club. And I think that's the most important thing: is the fact that under this regime, the relationship between the supporters and the club is, is never going to fix. You're still going to get lower attendances. You're going to get more people turning their back on the club. Not that they want to turn their back on the club, but feeling that they're forced to. Because there's just, there's just no bond between the club and the supporters at the moment. Do you feel that the protests that the Charlton fans and the Coventry fans are, are doing today will eventually have their desired effect? I hope so. I, I don't think it's going to be an immediate thing. I think from both sides, both ownerships are very stubborn. Um, I mean, there's reports, you know, us for quite a while ago, but Coventry this week, you know, the, both the owners have turned down approaches to buy the club. Um, but what else can we do? We've got to do something. Um, I mean... <laughs> In, in the context of things, a, a march and a few presidents inside the ground might not be that sort of, you know. Um, but it raises okay, the profile. It, does. it raises the, the profile thing. of what's yeah. been happening at this club and the damage that has been caused over the past two and a half years. And the more media attention that that gets, the weaker their position the cut that becomes. I mean, Mayor's position has been untenable for, for years, but. The more untenable that gets, the more likely that it will come to a point where there's simply no choice but for her to leave. And I think once she's gone, then the Chatelet's power is even weaker. And I think that its a sort of domino effect will eventually start to roll. We've, just got, we've got to keep doing things like this. We've got to keep trying to you know, force them out of the club and get our club back, basically.
Cody Jackson! It's yeah! yeah! Get Jackson! Charlton Live. Welcome back. Charlton Live here on Maritime Road. I just heard there from Martin Flynn and from Kyle Andrews, two fans who were on the protest march uh, before yesterday's game and therefore you assume through pigs everywhere as well once they went to the ground. Um, it was funny really because I went, I went to the Valley Calf as I, as I choose to do on, on, the, uh, on, the, on the morning of the game. And uh, I got there really early because I had all sorts and to, to organise before for, for working for the game. But uh, the, the place was really full of Kyle activists. So I went in there and they were like, oh, the, the club already know about the pigs. And the club did already know about the pigs. But they're so powerless to stop them, weren't they? There's nothing, there is nothing they can do about that, is there? I don't, don't see what you could, what, what they could do, really. Yeah, search I mean, everybody on the way in, but there yeah. were no searches on the yeah. east no. end at all. I think, I think pretty much every, everyone who wanted to get a pig into the ground got one in, didn't they, Tom? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just about. So, so I, I, I'm putting it to you that I think you're the only person who managed to not it, it wasn't like there were loads around this guy either or any bags full of them or anything it was just me <laughs> you were the only Sush one that straight away <laughs> he was looking in some some woman's handbag at the time and I think he thought I was trying to sneak past him and so but maybe that's why he did it but <laughs> there we go so there you go let, let us all down yeah sorry about that <laughs> never in a million years did I think I'd ever be yelling at people stuff pigs down your pants but uh, <laughs> there you go um <laughs> Uh, on the Charlton Live Forum, Carl, Carly Byrne, which is a good, good name, Carly Byrne, uh, says he was sat near the front yesterday, pigs throwing themselves at me from every direction. I've not had that kind of effect since a messy boys weekend at Skegness in 1997. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Grey Nine said, uh, on the game that we played okay, Coventry are poor, McGuinness was brilliant. Don't know how Novak gets in front of Hanlan and De Jose on the protest. Well done to Card and to Coventry. Got the media talking again. Would love to know what the stewards' instructions were. They seemed overly aggressive throughout the ground, expecting a response from the club regarding the incident with the security man outside. And we will talk about that briefly uh, after, after the match. We'll, we'll come to that after the match because I think that, that deserves a, its, its, its whole own section, really. And there's some comments from the club on the Evening Standard website, which I'll, I'll get up. Uh, when it's time, but I mean, we we haven't talked about the game yet, and we we should talk about the game. Um, I mean, Dave, it's only the second game you've seen this season. What, what, what did you make of it? It was a Charlton I didn't know. It really was. I mean, two players out there I knew, Chris Solly and Lookman. The rest of them were who you know, I knew who they were because obviously you keep up to date on the website, keep up to date with the commentary and Charlton Live, obviously. But hadn't seen them play. I thought to myself. Okay, they're you know they're getting together. They were obviously gelling. I think if Coventry were a little bit more slicker, they could have certainly caused a few more problems to Charlton. Charlton took their chances well yesterday. I've mm. got to say that. I like Josh McGuinness. I think he gives Charlton something up front. He gives us that that Yang quality. Mm. Not as good as Yang, obviously, but that Yang quality of being able to hold the ball up, being able to distribute it and, and that. Novak, yeah, I didn't think he had a great game. Lookman, I thought he was brilliant. He was here, there and everywhere. Um, Ricky Holmes, I really like Ricky Holmes. I thought he's, uh, he took his goal superbly. I mean, we were saying beforehand, was he offside? No, he wasn't probably. Looking back at it, he, you mm. know, we thought he was at the time. I mean, the defenders were coming yeah. out as he was sort of yeah. stationary on the edge of the box. So. Yeah, so it was a very, very clever goal he took. Um, Patrick Bauer, you know, yeah, we know, know a little bit about Patrick. Saw him a few times last season play, so I thought he looked quite solid at the back. Um, like Rudd's. Looks a decent keeper, so I think the makings are there of a decent team that that could possibly challenge if if 
certain person puts his hands in his pockets and puts some money towards buying some players. I think we need about two or three players, and I think we could, on January, challenge. I was uh, chatting in the pub, as I, as I do all the time, uh, after the game yesterday. And uh, my, my mate Benj was saying he, was a bit, he felt a bit disappointed with the performance up until up until 1-0. And I, I sort of said to him, because uh, it was brought up, because I said, what we did today was what we should, we should be doing to teams. And he was like, well, we didn't play well. I said, yeah, but if you're, if you're the big club, you know, how, many times, how many times did we play Man U away and come away thinking, well, you played all right, we should have got something, but end up losing 2 or 3-0. You know how many? How many, how many we, we should be doing that to teams more often. Even when we're not on our game, we should be more clinical. And that's probably the first time, apart from maybe the Shrewsbury game, that we've actually been properly clinical this season. Yeah, I think um, looking back to immediate games like Oldham and, and the Crawley game, and even Rochdale as well, those games we just we just lifeless. There was nothing going forwards at all. It wasn't just that we weren't taking our chances. We just looked like a lower to mid table League One side and. Coventry weren't great opposition yesterday. There were defensive mistakes for a couple of the goals, and but you know McGuinness was tireless up front. Mm. Olverstad really put a shift in in the middle. Holmes and Lookman wide. Having two wide men made such a big difference yesterday. Yeah, Solly was fantastic as captain. I thought, and Rudd had a really good game and made a couple of really crucial saves. So when our players are on their game, we've seen what they can do. And, and like I say, Coventry weren't brilliant, but you come up against any opposition in this league and. And some play like we did in some patches yesterday and we're going to give teams a run for their money but we just weren't doing that enough over the last couple of months and that's why we're down where we are and I'm not saying it's all fixed and we're now going to be happy and running up the table but you know the side is there we've got enough good players there to make a good fist of this season and um, yeah to, uh, yesterday might have been the start of that but we'll have to see what happens on Tuesday night obviously uh, London Inigiza says we have the makings of a good side but a very, a very poor defensive obsessed manager who will sadly Mm. Uh, hold us back. Um, there was uh, possibly a, ter- a potential turning point in the in the game. Nath was uh, that double save at the start of the second half from uh, from Declan Rudd. I mean, the first one was one of their players. The second one, I think, it came off Jason yeah, Pierce. Or yeah, it came yeah. off Charlton player. Yeah. And uh, so, very nearly an own goal. And that was a, a stunning save from from Rudd there. Oh yeah, I mean, he's been absolutely superb since he's been in. And uh, I say this most weeks, I still can't believe how we've still got him or how we got him in the first place. You know, mm. how he's at this level. Um, and I think he was at uh, that meeting in the week at Bromley, I think, and I think he might be out of contract or he might be looking for a permanent move away from Norwich. Um, so if that could be something that we could do, that would be a brilliant silence. So, uh, but I mean, on the game, I mean, yeah, we, we probably didn't play them off the park and then they're quite a tidy team, but sometimes you've got to win ugly and sometimes, you know, we're not pulling up any trees or anything, so we didn't have a divine right to go and smash Coventry for five or six, you know, let's yeah. not fit, we're not like top of the top of the league strolling it so I thought it was a decent solid performance yeah wasn't amazing but we did what we did and we were clinical which we haven't been in the last few weeks so yeah I mean you think about some of the chances the commentary had and missed especially in that first period just before the goal I think it was Sterry hit the side net in and one of them was, hit yeah. the, one of them hit the post from from distance so yeah. that these are the fine mar- fine margins that I guess we've got to be happy that these one this, this time it went our way yeah I think so and like I say we if we want to be up there and in the you know, fighting for promotion towards the end of the season, we can't be relying on on one or two chances a game, which is why I've said over the past few weeks, you know, yes, we've missed penalties or we've had headers that have been last-minute saves and things like that, and we, but we can't be relying on those. And similarly, we can't say yesterday it was, a, you know, a comfortable win because Coventry did have those chances, but the luck did go our way yesterday, combined with, you know, like you say, Rudd keeping us in games instead of the other way around from opponents' goalkeepers, and and that was what made the win, but... 
I just think, yeah, there were, the individual performances were, were there yesterday. And I think over the past few games, there's been a few too many people that have just gone missing, really. Um, and I think those same people, you could really pick out performances yesterday. And we haven't really, you know, even in bad games, and you say, did anyone have a good game? And you think, well, no, not really. And yesterday, there were plenty of people that you could pick out. Yeah, and yeah. one of one of which was Josh McGuinness. I, I, I think uh, I think Tell asked uh, Slade about that on his interview as well. But I think Josh, especially in that second half, hassling, uh, forcing defenders into mistakes. That's where uh, the ball he put across for Lookman's goal and the ball he put across for what should have been Lookman's second goal <laughs> ended up being a, uh, a, a conversion. That I mean, uh, McGuinness really stood out for me. So there's, there's been times this season where perhaps over the last last couple of home games where he maybe maybe not done quite what we were expecting until he hasn't had the results we were hoping for but it all clicked into place from yesterday and, and he topped it off with a absolutely glorious little chipped finish right at the end there that, that touch to take the ball down from Olverstad was fantastic mm. but he's just one of those players that you know we don't have it very often but defenders when they see he's going to be on the team sheet he's just such a nightmare to have to play against mm. even if the ball's not necessarily coming to him or he's not scoring the goals he just works effortlessly and the chance that Lutman missed and the goal both came from him just chasing the yeah. defender down when we were already 1-0 up um, uh, Slade had switched it I think by that point to 4-5-1 as well so he was well within his rights to be a bit annoyed that he didn't have a, someone out there with him as support anymore but he didn't he carried on working and he reaped the rewards from that I thought you know he showed defending from the front I thought he was awesome How many times have you and I sat in here Louis and said the same thing confidence yeah. wins breed confidence and we weren't getting the wins and that we that win will breed the confidence in the squad to think that they can go forward I mean was it Port Vale on yeah. um, a Tuesday evening that is a yeah Tuesday evening Port Vale in uh, the Potteries Books a Hotel have you yeah. nice walking good. distance from Vale Park oh, yeah. Vale Park's okay it's a nice ground yeah nice ground yeah. Yeah. how yeah. early are you getting there this time <laughs> <laughs> 7 in the morning yeah. Yeah. quite early I'm getting there about <laughs> I don't know, one, two in the afternoon, maybe. But uh, I've, got, I've got friends with me this time, so okay. I won't be bored. I'm, plus, I'm sure there's, there's got to be more to do in Stoke than there's in Scum. No? No. No, mate. No, no, no. Uh, no. Brooks said, I thought the result flattered us. They hit the post and missed good chances. Another day, we would have lost that. Roland's time to go. Says, the game was poor. Both teams, uh, we got lucky with the two goals. If uh, with two goals. If we play anyone decent, we will get turned over. Port Vale will test me. That's the thing that is worth remembering. I, know mm. Port, I think Port Vale lost 4-0 yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. We, we were playing bottom of the league yesterday, so yeah. we don't want to get too carried away, do we? No, you don't get carried away, but what I'm saying is they've got a win behind them. Mm. I think, right, OK, we can, we can win. We can play football. We can, we can go out there and we can take the game to, to, to other teams. You know, the test, obviously, will be Tuesday night against a team that's been doing better than us. But hopefully the confidence will be there for them to go forward and do it. And hopefully it's an unchanged squad because that also helps breed, helps the things, having a, a settled squad. I think that there, there was consistency in the team selection yeah. at the start of the season. We, we started off obviously the very defeat and we had a two or three games where we were looking all right and got a couple of wins, a couple of decent draws and we had squad consistency and since then it's sort of fallen apart and that's mm. perhaps, perhaps that has affected confidence as well. The man who is charged with uh, ensuring that the club has uh, the, the the players have the, the correct levels of confidence uh, uh, as we go ahead to Port Vale on Tuesday? Russell Slade, uh, he was uh, he masterminded the three 0 win against uh, Coventry yesterday. He came in to speak to Terry after yesterday's game. Joined by Russell Slade in the studio after uh, a three 0 victory home at Coventry. And Russell, is the overriding feeling um, frustration? Um, sorry, uh, relief or uh, or uh, pleasure that um, th- things came off today that they may not have done in previous weeks? And, and, and please, look, I'm pleased for the I'm pleased for the team. I'm pleased for the staff. Um, I think I've got a good staff. I think I've got a de- decent set of 
uh, of individuals together, and that, that's what it was in the first instance, a group of individuals. We, we're working hard to become that team um, that's efficient, that does things well defensively as well as attacking. Um, so it's a process, it's not, it's not a quick fix, it's not something that's going to happen overnight. Um, but we're working exceptionally hard to try to make that happen. We, we want to be better, if we, and if we want to be more, we've got to do more, got to work harder at what we're doing, um, because this is an unforgiving league. If you get punished, um, as we know, all so often um, when we've been in front ourselves, we've, we've been pegged back. But today, today we managed to stay on it. We kept a clean sheet, which I was very pleased about, and we, we brought home three very important points. The, the first half, um, I wouldn't say we dominated necessarily, but we looked untroubled uh, for the most part. Uh, a good goal from, uh, from Ricky Holmes. Um, and uh, it looked at that point that we were we were going to go on. Second half, Coventry um, came at us a bit, and, and we sat a bit deep. As, yeah, um, we but we were against a very good passing team, possession based team, um, but didn't didn't really hurt us too much. Um, Deck made a very very good save second half, but listen, their keepers made a great save from um, McGuinness as well in in, in the game. So. Um, but we kept creating chances. I thought they kept, they had their best spell. You're absolutely right. I couldn't agree with that more. It was 10 or 15 minutes after half-time um, where we needed to settle down. Um, we weren't keeping the ball well enough um, like we did first half. But we, do you know, throughout that, throughout that, we still remained a threat. Even in that period, I think we had an opportunity to go and get a second goal. But eventually the second goal did come. Um, I thought we would find enough space if we kept if we kept our discipline and we did the basics well without the ball, and they still could be better, of course. But um, I'm thrilled with a clean sheet that gives you something to work on. And the fact is today that in that final third, which has let us down so often in the past, um, we're a little bit more ruthless today. And Josh McGuinness not only capping a uh, what I think was a, a, a superb performance from from the men. Uh, coming back from a, a tough stint uh, for Northern Ireland, put in a superb workmanlike performance and uh, made the second goal and got his just desserts with a glorious third. Yeah, I think that's the thing with Josh. He, he, one, he so deserves his, his his goal because of all that work that he puts in. Um, and two, what what he brings to the team, you know. Um, I think he's probably top of the assists. Ollie now, is he? Possibly, yeah. Yeah, he could, <laughs> he could be possibly top you know because I know he made a couple for Nicky so what, what I'm saying is the point is he, what he brings to the team as well with that work ethic and um, he's able to he's able to play other people in as well Absolutely and uh, I mentioned uh, you mentioned the double save from Declan Rudd earlier on which came at a crucial time because uh, yeah. at 1-0 if they'd have got back in it yeah. uh, nerves might have played, started to play a part but yeah. also um, Jason Pearce I thought came back in and, and uh, looked really commanding in the second half yeah, l l listen, he's no nonsense, Piercy. He, he knows what's required. He's a good character, he's a, he's a leader. Um, and, you know, when when you are under pressure, it, it, it's types like Piercy that you need to galvanise the team. Because teams are going to have their little periods, whether it's in the first 10 minutes or whether the last 10 minutes or whether, as it was today, their period was was just after half time they had 15 minutes and and that's when you've got to be strong that's when you've got to weather that we weathered that and we go on and get the second goal wouldn't it's probably a bit too early to call this a vital win but uh, perhaps a much needed one bearing in mind the run we've been on and and the, the games we've got coming up yeah we've 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 still got um 
this I think this was the the first of four games for the remainder of the month. We go again on Tuesday, as you know, at Port Vale. So um, games are coming thick and fast, and you know we want to we want to be picking up points. Um, and our next- millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost fifty pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Next task is on, on Tuesday, so... We go into that. It's nice to be going into that with a win under our belts. Um, we'll take that with us, um, and let's hope we can put in another, you know, real workmanlike performance that brings us on the points. Well, it's uh, it's a pleasure for me to sit here and say uh, congratulations on, on the win, the clean sheet, and three points. And uh, looking forward to choosing it. Okay. <laughs> Cousins, lovely ball into the part of Goodmanson. Can he take his man on? He does. He's trying to be pulled back, but he's in the area. The ball across the Vinicaine! And there's a goal! Joel have the lead again. Super work. Firstly from Henderson to roll it out to Cousins, who did a pinpoint pass into the part of Goodmanson. And instead of Goodmanson going on his own, a slide rule ball across the penalty area picked out Vinicaine, who buried his chance, and Charlton 2 1 up. From the home of time, time, this is Maritime Radio, Greenwich. Welcome back to Charlton Live here on Maritime Radio. That was Russell Slade speaking to Terry after yesterday's uh, game. A couple of people um, picked up on a couple of his comments. Grey9 on the Charlton Live forum says, uh, uh, Russell said we're uh, against a very good passing team. Uh, he said, of course we were, sarcastically. And then London Inigiza said something similar. He says, uh, commentary, a very good side, according to Russell. Do me a favour. I, I didn't think they were... I was, I was surprised at how well they played in, a, in, in stages, considering how, how far adrift they are. And they, they'd lost Tony Mowbray recently, and then they actually won a, a game, and then I think they won an EFL trophy game as well. So I don't know if they're having some sort of weird new manager, but without a manager bounce. But um, they, they, they weren't as bad as I thought they were going to be, but their defending for the goals we scored was, uh, what, was pretty much what I was expecting. <laughs> Yeah, no, I thought they were a tidy side, um, but I think we've all alluded to that defensively they were a bit uh, shambolic, it's probably a, a kind word of saying it. And, and the thing we want to remember is that we are, we're supposed to be the big team, we're, we're yeah. supposed to be one of the big dogs, and so yeah, we, we should be expecting to to be, not, not, in, a, not in a naive way, but we should, we, we should, we should, if we want to be at the top we should be getting results like that against teams. But then again Coventry mm. would expect themselves to be at the top, yeah. because they're a so-called big club along with us and Sheffield yeah. United, you know. I just uh, maybe they're uh, well. In fairness, it should be the same with us, but their expectations might be slightly changed because of who they've got owning them and, and the mess they're in. So, so maybe you could argue, you, you probably argue that for us as well. Yeah. Right. Um, we've had plenty of emails have come in uh, on the subjects of yesterday's uh, game and, and protest. Uh, don't forget, like, coming up later here on Charlton Live, we've got our exclusive interview uh, with an absolute hero of mine, Radostan Kishishev. <laughs> uh, was at the valley yesterday. He witnessed the flying pigs, and he also came to the studio to speak to Terry. I was stood, I was stood in the corner here when uh, when 
Kish was in here speaking to Terry and Sue was sitting next to me and I was literally shaking with excitement because I was <laughs> going to get my photo taken uh, with my, one of my favourite uh, all-time players. But let's, uh, let's hop on to the emails. Uh, first up is Chris Davin. He says, right, a win is a win. 3-0, well done to us. Wind back. Uh, the demo was well supported, especially from Coventry fans. The media filmed it. Uh, job done. On the game, very average first half. Uh, led through a homes what looked like a way offside goal second half started we did the Russell Slade thing sit back and defend for your lives tactic Coventry dominated we even took off Novak and Bolton Jackson protect the lead the Slade way then from a breakaway uh, Big Mac scored then he set up uh, Lookman to make it 3 enough. he got those the wrong way around uh, it was Coventry uh, useless no hopers bottom of the league that we were petrified of. Sometimes it amazes me what's, what Slade is thinking or doing. No doubt he will milk the win. Who wouldn't? But reality check, it was boring, useless. It was a boring, useless Slade performance. He stands at the side of the pitch, arms folded, no life in him as, motiva- as, as if motivating as a dead fish. Uh, he's boring. Pre-match, post-match presses are not up to the job. Sooner he goes, the better. One observation, we won 3-0. No songs praising Russell Slade. No tunnel jump either. The club is dead. Can it rise up again? Not so sure. What did you make of, you, of his comments, particularly on, on Slade's tactics? I think um, no, it wasn't a brilliant performance. Coventry weren't brilliant opposition, but we can't really be greedy in the situation we're in. We've we've been poor over the last at least a month, and we've been poor in games, and we've we've lost games, and we're coming into this game low on confidence and down that bottom half of the table. So any wins a win at this stage. It wasn't brilliant, no, but the goals that we did score. You know, yes, they were poor defensively, but McGuinness worked really hard for the second one, and that third one was a great ball from Overstand and fantastic control from McGuinness. So, yeah. yes, they were counter-attacking goals, but they were still good quality, and we've got to take what we can at the moment. And as Dave said earlier, if we can start to breed that confidence in, we've got players there that can knock the ball about, and we can certainly play better than that. Uh, right, email from Matt James says, "Hi, chaps. Uh, great game, coupled with a great atmosphere, but my mood was ruined tonight." when I was scanning through the CFC uh, hashtag tweets and saw one from a guy who sits directly behind me and my mates, which was pretty much just blatant lies. There was a brief conversation during the game between him and two of my mates. One of my mates pointed out that the protest might affect any future sale of the club and that all potential buyers seem to have disappeared. The first part was opinion. The second part seems to be factual as far as we can see. I mean, the second part about potential buyers, I mean, mo- most of that stuff will happen behind the scenes. I mean, yeah. there's, uh, I think there's always approaches to clubs I don't, I don't think you know, just because they haven't come out and made it public like we've seen with a couple of beers it doesn't necessarily mean there's nothing going on behind the scenes uh, he says the guy then tweets that his mates are pro Roland they asked him if he would celebrate a Coventry goal and told uh, and apparently they told this guy they're all certain, certain word uh, none of this actually happened which just goes to show you that not, you can put any old rubbish on Twitter and it's taken as gospel yeah I do that all the time <laughs> <laughs> I remember hearing you guys I said it was nice to see Dave yesterday actually. I, I remember hearing oh, you yeah, guys I remember that <laughs> joking it's nice to see you as well. <laughs> I remember hearing you guys last year talking about the negativity that some fans had if their fellow fans was not as vocal in the protest as others, and it's a shame to see this has continued into this season as well. The next home game will be fun for the three rows we're all sat in anyway. Cheers, disillusion from Essex. That's Matt there. I mean, different levels of uh, protest. There, there are, I mean, it's easy to get carried away with uh, with what we saw yesterday. You do remember yeah. that there are fans and uh, wives of club secretaries who aren't really into the, into the protest <laughs> as much. Um, and, and, and you, I mean, you can you can. You can try and reason with them and try and not argue and negotiate with them and try and tell them your point of view, but you do have to respect everyone's point of view. And there's no, there's no, there's no, no possible good can come from 
uh, getting into aggro with other yeah. Charlton fans. Yeah, I quite agree. I think everybody has got a point of view. Uh, there are those that want to take things further. There are those that say, no, what's being done is okay at the moment. And there are those that think there's nothing problem at all. That's, you know, that's personal opinion. People are entitled to their opinion. You may think that they're wrong, but actually screaming and shouting in their face and telling them that they're, you know, swearing at them and everything that they're, that they're wrong is not going to change the situation. It only probably antagonises them more. I think at the end of the day, more and more people are turning around. I mean, I hate to use myself as an example. Last season I was working for the club. I could have walked last season quite easily. Maybe I should have done said that to somebody yesterday didn't i nick um that, uh, oh yeah he came up and said hello to me um you know i could have gone quite easy last season I, I chose not to i chose to to wait to the end of the season and see what happened and the end of the season my mind was made up you know that because we were talking about it but other people still have given them a chance well you know we, they've brought the english manager in let's see what happens and a lot of people have given them that chance and now are disillusioned and said yeah the protests have got to happen but there are still people saying no you need to give it a chance maybe they have changed maybe we should trust them it, it was interesting yesterday bromley addicts met with uh catherine tony and and co um before that it was the east kent addicts wasn't it and i think a few of the other uh yeah, fans supporters groups yeah. have, has had meetings yeah, with, uh, yeah and certainly didn't get an easy ride from Bromley Addicts yesterday and from somebody who was at East Kent Addicts said she didn't get an easy ride there as well so you know they're talking to groups the offer went out to card I think it was rather cynical that the um, uh, that it was leaked the next day so you know whether that was a press or PR thing or whether that was deliberately done or not who knows but um, I think the time for talking has gone personally I think um, myself I think the feeling is clear by the majority of fans that they're not going to get by they should sell up and they should go but if somebody has a different opinion to me I respect that opinion that's their opinion they're entitled to it we're in a democracy after all it's not North Korea no. <laughs> Ironically. Uh, one of the things that Matt said uh, one of his mates had said to um, uh, but, 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 but yeah one of, one of his mates pointed out that the protest might affect any future sale of the club and obviously that, that's that person's opinion but do, do you think that'd be the case I mean I wonder if um I mean, the, the protests are aimed at Roland de Chatelain. I think any, any prospective buyer would surely know that there is so much, there'd be so much goodwill for, for anyone who turned up, and all, all, all they had to do, they, they wouldn't even have to have a penny to their name. The only thing they'd have to have achieved in life is not being Roland de Chatelain, <laughs> and they would be won over by Charlton fans. I, I honestly think that I, I, I honestly don't think that any protest against the current owner would affect uh, any prospective buyer. Uh, no, I don't, I don't think it'd put off really. I mean. Cause the, I mean, if the buyer's gonna, the new buyer will know what the fans are expecting by obviously seeing what what's going in through the media and stuff. And I think if a new buyer has the club at heart and you know he's trying to get us where we should be and stuff, I think all the fans will just join along. So I don't think anything, you know, all the protests and stuff will put off any buyer. If I had a bottomless pit of money, which which I don't, I'm only a few quid short. But if <laughs> <laughs> if no, but seems if I had that money, then obviously I'd know because I know what the the aim is. But no, I don't see it having an, a, an adverse effect at all on on the, any prospective buyers now. I think if any, any prospective buyer comes along, they've got to look at what's happened. So they look at the fans and they've got to say, right, I've got to harness that energy. You know, I've got to take them with me, and we've got a history of doing that at Charlton. We work with. The owners, we've worked with them before. Well, for the, the target twenty k, target, the original target forty k, yeah. mm. you know, to work with the owners to get the ground to forty thousand, we so nearly did, you know, nearly happened. 
you know, we could take that further. Any any potential owner coming in should know and look at the, the fans and say, right, there's an energy I can mm. harness, I can take this forward, let's work mm. with them. The potential's there, isn't it? It's it just is. an easy... It's huge potential. It always has been, Charlton. It is mm. a sleeping giant. We proved that back in, you know, the late 90s and, and early 2000s by taking Charlton into the Premiership and we didn't just, you know, unfortunately we didn't kick on, you know. Uh, Pedro Rock says, don't mind being in League One again. Oh, no way, I do. But it's just miserable this time. At least we had Chrissy Powell. Yeah. And Piper was all right, too. Nowadays, <laughs> even if we win, it just seems miserable. I, re- I realise the regime is rubbish, but are we going to be remembered for chucking some plastic pigs on the pitch? Even in the dark days of Pardew, I didn't feel as disengaged as this. Gone are the days of things like Operation uh, Riverside. Danny Jones says, question for Nathan Muller. <laughs> you, Nathan. <laughs> How do you think the protests went? Even if the owner does not leave... What are we going to do next? What are our options, Danny and Paul? And he signed it off CAFC. <laughs> Don't know why. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's Palace. Yeah, he's Palace. I think it's Spurs. Spurs and Palace. So obviously, first off, it shows that because um, he texted me yesterday, sort of, sort of asked what the pig stuff was about, and um, so he proved that it was going all around. Like everyone was sort of speaking to earlier about the process. I think it was. Um, I didn't. I expected it to be good and and quite sort of strong, but I never expected it to be as strong as it actually was. Um, but like I said earlier, with the, them coming up from the Allegallican and then us coming down from the Liberal Club and then joining in a minute in the middle, I thought it was absolutely brilliant. Um, going forward, I don't know. I think it just means we're just going to continue the, putting the pressure on the whole regime. Um, Tom said earlier, I don't think Roland's going to wake up and be bothered by it, you know, today or tomorrow. But in the long run. Um, I think it's, it must have an ed- effect, especially the sort of negative effect on him as a person, and not, maybe not in this country, but in Belgium, probably everyone probably sees him as a clown or whatever. But they, um, do. they view him as a joke. Yeah, they really so do. exactly. So and it's not really going to have a, a great, great look on him. So yeah. yeah, so I think it's it's another step forward, and we just have to keep keep going at it. Really, yeah. tweet in from Lisbon says, "Great uh, show, guys. We need to laugh or we'll cry." Thanks, <laughs> Rob. Um, it was, it was, <laughs> he says, "Card and commentary were amazing. I was proud. The FA need to listen and to take action." Robin, it was uh, a lovely of always, as always to meet you yesterday, and you'll be interested in this very next email, Rob, because it's uh, it's from Paul Williams. Hey guys, evening team. Great, we finally got three points and not getting carried away at all as against a team in a bad, in, in, in as bad a state as we are. My comment is regarding the recent emails, and he's put from Bob from Lisbon, I think it was. It's Robin Lisbon. But uh, I can see what you're getting out there, Paul. He says it, uh, about the sale of the valley. I emailed you in January regarding this before anyone else was really talking about it as a possibility. Cards are splitting a few fans, but on the whole, they are getting us heard, and hopefully the FA will listen. But I don't believe the criminals that are running the club, uh, running us, will sell up. Too much money will be made once the valley is sold. If there is the council's rule that the land has to be for sports, all that would needed would be a gym or a tennis or basketball court, etc. The only reason Roland can be here is the land the valley sits on. We have shown zero ambition as a club to build and to make money any other way. It's about time us as fans spoke about this a lot more, and it's an angle that Card now needs to target. He hope he, he, he signs it off. I hope I'm wrong about the value but that's something like that's something that Robin's emailed in us about yeah. a lot and it's it's, it's something that the, the, the story's out there it's, un, it's under the radar a bit but it's something that a lot of people we've heard rumours haven't yeah. we we've all heard rumours you know what do I know I, I know that the valley is a, a, an asset of community value, an ACV that, that the trust got put on it, so that if any planning action comes forward they have to give six months notice of what they're doing 
or something like that. Somebody from the trust would ha- would be able to, to to confirm that. But I think, yeah, it's it's the valley, the land around the valley is going to be worth a lot of money, especially as we're we're that close to central London, mm. close to, to to the Jubilee Line, and close to links into to um, uh, you know the Crossrail in Woolwich and everything like that. Um, whether he's going to make the money or not after Brexit, you know what will happen after that. Maybe um, that's the one golden lining of Brexit as a as a remainer. So um, <laughs> sorry, cards on the table there. You know um, that that maybe that might affect him. He might uh, might affect his plans and uh, turn him to think. Right, I'm not going to make any money out of Charlton. I'll sell it. Going back to the point about Belgium, yeah, he's seen as a, he's seen as a bit of a an eccentric fall in Belgium. He really is, and it hurts him as well. We know that. We know it hurts him, but that's where I think Charlton fans have got to go. There was a great, there was a great thread on uh, on Charlton life during the week where I can't, the Lucky Reds he's called on the forum. We've yeah. gone out for dinner with uh, uh, someone who was of some sort of Belgian lawyer, and, yeah. and he knew all about Ronan. It's a brilliant thread if you, if you can try and find it. Uh, right, email in from uh, Mark Newbury says, "Evening, guys. It's great to hear my doppelganger Dave <laughs> as, uh, as I tweeted him yesterday. It's a sight. It's a sad sight to see the voice of the people leading a march, not calling out the team, but great to hear him back in the studio. Who would have thought going four four two would play dividends? I think Tom might have thought that. Yeah, I think yeah, everyone else might have thought yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. that for weeks. Yeah, we've been mentioning that quite Gee, a lot. Uh, not, a pla- not playing three of the same kind of player in midfield and passing." to the wings uh, better and getting crosses into the middle almost tactics unheard of best player yesterday was Big Mac oh, that's, twi- that's twice people have called McGuinness Big Mac now that's really confusing because mm. he got Big Mac from last season he scored yesterday he scored yeah against Brighton yeah. last minute yeah, yeah. yeah. No, he got his hat trick against Bournemouth didn't he mm. when we were up at Scunthorpe uh, I would love to have seen him do the tunnel jump yesterday his running was non-stop and his link play was really good something <laughs> Novak could do with copying one thing is vital if we're going to progress this season is that we keep our BFG. His calm head and ability to play out from the back gives us another option of playing. It seems churlish to grumble after a 3 0 win, but I still think the Fox should have a spell on the sidelines as he seems to be uh, the weak link. Yesterday, Cobbs number yeah. 8 had the beating of him all day, yeah. and it's hard to see what he's bringing to the team, and his positioning is quite loose, and it helped. Uh, he's been helped a bit too much by the midfield and the centre halves. Apparently, the Brighton loan is pretty good, so we might be worth resting Morgan so he understands he has to work harder at his game to warrant a start. Nice to go back tomorrow uh, to work with m- uh, more of a smile on, on his face, which is good. Glad to hear you're uh, working again as well, Mark. Um, excellent. Um, well, the, the Morgan Fox thing, what did you make of that, Tom? You've seen, you seen him all season? I think I don't think he had a good game yesterday. I, um, yeah. I think he struggled. He, he's one of those that's been really up and down, hasn't he? There's been times where he's looked like a real liability, and then there's other times where he's put in, you know, player of the year style performances yeah. for three or four games in a row. So it's difficult. I think he obviously hasn't really got anybody pushing him. I know is it Chickson that's come in? Maybe could do a job there, but he played against Crawley in the checker trade or whatever it's called, and he he wasn't brilliant. Um, and I think he played on the wing. I think he played in midfield that game. But he was certainly quite attacking, and I think that's that's kind of the issue that we have with Fox is he tends to bomb on down the left and leave himself exposed. And yeah, he didn't have a good game yesterday. I think he needs someone pushing him, but I'm more than happy to have him at the club because I think he shows signs of being a very good player. He's just not not quite consistent enough yet. Mm-hmm. But then he, I know he's got a hundred games under us, but he is still a very young player, and he's probably still got stuff to learn. I quite agree. I think you're right. I think he didn't have the best of games yesterday. Uh, he was beaten on several occasions. His crossing wasn't good enough, and yeah, he does need that. Uh, that's somebody there giving him the um, uh, 
giving the tap on the shoulder. I think uh, when he has had that, mm. he's been consistent. He's played well, and he can be one of our best performers. And he's shown that. And he's shown, you know, interest from Premier League clubs in him previous seasons has shown that that he's got the potential. He just needs that somebody there yeah. to be the threat to him so that he can perform as well as he can do every game was it Wiggins he got in ahead yeah. of when he was injured yeah. Yeah, and then yeah. when Wiggins was back fit Fox yeah. was in for a good five or six games yeah. because he was just you couldn't drop him because yeah. he was playing well but ever since I suppose Tariq maybe could have filled in there and ever since he's gone you know Fox hasn't really had anyone pushing him but yeah. I don't know maybe taking him out of the firing line for a game or two might make a difference but for me I'm I'm a believer in playing people through that and showing faith in them and it's only going to take one good performance again to get that confidence back up for him. Yeah. Uh, on the chat on Life Forum, uh, we're going to play the Red Stank issue share of uh, interview in a few minutes' time, by the way, so get ready for that. But uh, not, uh, Red Chaser on the chat on Life Forum says, not overtly happy with uh, Slade's uh, after-match interview on Channel 5's Goal Rush, where he seems to suggest very heavily that the fan frustration uh, leading to protests was solely instigated by dissatisfaction with relegation and the current league position. He said... Uh, I understand the fans' frustration. We shouldn't be in this league lingering halfway down the table. I get that. He said. He said similar in my interview as well. Which I don't know if he, I don't. Know, I didn't really listen to Terry's interview, so I don't know if he did in that. But he, he, I sort of asked him uh, if he'd ever been involved in something like this as he had today, and he said, uh, "You know, I, just, I understand we shouldn't be down near the bottom of the league one." But so, do, do you feel that? I mean, what, what Red Chase has put here says, from those comments, I'm afraid he doesn't seem to get the bigger picture. The relegation and the current league position is only a minor part of the fans' disquiet. I mean. Obviously, he's not going to come out and say, look, I know we've got a bunch of terrible owners, I know why you protest. Obviously, he's not going to say that. He's not going to say that, yeah, is he? Yeah, so no, uh, no. Do, do you expect pretty much... I mean, he last time we saw us, last season we asked Joe Terriga about um, protests, or you asked Carol Fry about protests, you get nothing out of them. So, no. at least Slade sort of answered the question, but I didn't really answer it in the way that perhaps fans would have hoped... Well, he's not going to bite the hand, he's not going to bite the hand that feeds him, is he, at the end of the day? No. no exactly. There you go. <laughs> yeah, simple as that. Right, yeah. um, now... Uh, yesterday, uh, I was in the tunnel, filling my pockets full of pigs, and um, <laughs> Sue, Sue comes down. Sue's uh, obviously a Chuck and I have a member. She also uh, she leads them the mascots around uh, on the uh, on their their special day at the valley. So she takes them in and out of the changing rooms, and uh, so she, she knows all the players and the former players very well because she's, she used to work with them. Uh, uh, so she also she also pops up to the, the players' bar. Uh, especially if there's someone if, if there's someone coming who she knows from from the if there's someone coming back for a visit who she knows from uh, years gone by. Now, um, Radistan Kishishev was here yesterday, and Sue told me that Ki- she went on Kishishev here, and I went, Kishishev, Radistan Kishishev. I was like, oh, and I started like hyperventilating. And she's like, oh yeah, no, he said he'd come down and do an interview. I was like, oh. started rocking back and forward, and then uh, yeah, so you heard the. Uh, I got Terry to sit down and interview Radistan Kishishev, one one of my all time uh, favourite players. Uh, I mean, j- just before we hear it, what, what's your favourite Kish memories, people? Scoring a goal, sorry, yeah. scoring a goal, just standing there, the celebration. Ah! Yeah, you know, <laughs> you know how much I had to restrain myself from doing that in front of him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can imagine you trying to do that. Yeah, because <laughs> he, start, he started as right back and he, he did, wasn't yeah. that clever, was he, at right back? And then he got moved in the middle, and then he was an absolute machine. Yeah, but um, yeah, no, that I've just about to say the goal in that celebration it's one up there with Martin Pringle sort of celebration as well <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's one of those funny funny celebrations but um, yeah an no, absolute machine in that middle was just yeah. 150% if that was possible right. <laughs> yeah. I remember he came back with Brighton as well and he, he actually yeah. played us off the park remember that yeah, yeah that gets mentioned but of course yeah. I mean Kishishev was definitely one who split opinions and you're, w- w- the Terry did uh, did raise that question but he was one that split opinions and I think um 
uh, he, he he sort of says, oh, you know, for every every, every game, I I do five or six really good passes, then I do two bad passes, and just listen to how he words that because it's quite funny. But um, I mean, that that was probably true, and hmm. you see that sometimes with players, like some sometimes players will get picked on more than others if they have a bad pass, and it, yeah, when people talk about people get almost typecast as oh he's a crap player as soon as he plays yeah. one bad pass, oh he's had a terrible game, and, and I think Kish did get a fair bit of that. Yeah, you'll always get a. You'll always get a scapegoat of some sort. I mean, last last season, it, for, in my opinion, it seemed that Morgs was picked on quite a fair fair amount of times. Where, where even though he did probably have a bad game, but most of the time he was fairly solid. And it was the same as again yesterday. He, he started a bit a bit jaded yesterday, and people just jumped on his back. And it's just, I think someone has to find someone to blame if we're playing bad for some reason. And yeah, like you said, Kish was was one of those in that era unfortunately so make sure you definitely definitely listen to how he describes it because <laughs> it's really funny but this is uh, one of my all time favourites Addicts players Radistan Kishishev back at the Valley yesterday <laughs> he gave us this exclusive interview here on Charlton Live delighted to be joined in the studio by uh, I'm saying Charlton legend Radistan Pradanov Kishishev is that correct? yes exactly good, good. you're welcome Radistan thanks for joining Thank us as well uh, first of all what brings you to, uh, to England? I can, uh, yeah, I, I visiting England uh, a few times a year, but uh, today I'm here to watch the game. And um, apart from that, holiday. <laughs> yeah, all, all the visit was a holiday. Just but short, just short of 170 games for us. Um, you enjoyed your time here? Oh yeah, I was pleased with the time I spent here because uh, I play all Premiership from 2000 2007, and that was a pleasure for me. Do you have any standout moments of your time at the club? Are there any are there any moments that uh, that stand out more than others, particularly? Not really. Difficult time was when uh, Alan Kerbishi left the club, but uh, and we we saw what's happening with the club after that. One one thing I've always wanted to ask you: when when you were playing in a midfield with, um, uh, I'm just trying to think of the names now. Uh, Danny Murphy was there. Uh, Matty Holland, yourself, Matty Holland, and uh, <laughs> Klaus Jensen. Yes, absolutely. We had some we had uh, some quality midfield at that yeah. time. Uh, who would you pick out as as the sort of best player you played alongside while you were at Charlton? I think uh, Klaus Jensen was a beautiful uh, playmaker. Uh, Scotty Parker was a great tackler. And uh, Danny, Danny Murphy was a legend from Liverpool. They're all good. Apart from that, uh, Paolo Di Canio <laughs> was the best player, I think. We had a midfield, uh, almost like a midfield five, but a midfield trio of yourself, um, uh, Murphy and Schmertin, which uh, I thought at the time we probably played our best football with that midfield three. Yeah, I I played a holding role in that, posi- in, um, in that time. And we did very, very well. Not known as a first six months. Yeah, exactly. First yeah, six uh, months. Uh, but uh, then uh, I think uh, Danny Murphy yeah, moved to yeah. Tottenham. We won't talk about and that. <laughs> we, 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 we destroyed the, the three midfield. Yeah, I agree completely. Um, you're not known for your goal scoring. Um, I think it was two. Two you goals. Here? Yeah, yep. two goals while you're here. Is that something memorable <laughs> for me? <laughs> exactly. I was wondering whether you'd pick out both of those two as your, your peak moments at Charlton. Sorry, say again. The two goals, but they would uh, yeah, you remember the, them, I the, guess. Yeah, my my fiftieth fiftieth game for Charlton against uh, West Ham, I scored uh, the fourth goal, and uh, next comp game I scored another one. <laughs> that was unbelievable. And I wait for fifty games, didn't score, and 
next two home games I scored both goals. It was uh, scored two goals. It wasn't what you were in the team for, to be fair. Yeah, I I wanted to score more goals, but uh, you know, some of the players can score. Some of the players did the hard work. Some of the players have to be in first eleven. Oh, different stories. Absolutely. Uh, so, what is Radish Tankishev up to now? Now I uh, I have a restaurants back in my town, Burgas, and. Uh, also, I I study for pro license uh, to be a manager one day and to see how I would de will develop that uh, new things for me because uh, to be to be a manager is very different than to be a footballer. It's something you think you'd want to do, uh, given the pressures that are now in the game. Yeah, it's <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Bulgarian international, of course, uh, on our le on our board of honour uh, here at the Valley. Forty uh, odd caps, I think, is it? Yeah, uh, forty. What did I say? Forty. Forty caps. I think. Forty yeah. caps when I play for Charlton, and then back for international games for Bulgaria, but uh, totally eighty-eight. Eighty-eight caps in, yeah. in total. Ah, my apologies for getting that wrong. Uh, <laughs> yeah, forty caps when I play for Charlton. Oh, okay, yeah. for that uh, so period while you were for the Charlton. period two thousand two thousand seven. And actually, I play against Charlton with my ex teams, Brighton. Of course. Yeah. And so remember you coming uh, back here. We beat Charlton for yes, new at the don't valley. Talk about that either. But uh, supporters yeah. gave me very um, applause. I was speaking of the supporters. Um, there are many, many, many who remember, or most who remember you fondly, uh, and uh, you always got a good reception when you came back with Brighton, especially, even though yeah, you tanked us 4-0. Uh, some fans, though, didn't quite get the role that you played, I thought. that you know they didn't uh, Because you didn't uh, maybe score goals, they, they didn't quite understand the, the mechanics of, of your game. Yeah, uh, and that question, Alan Kerbishley can uh, answer the best, <laughs> because he always picked me in first 11. Uh -huh. It doesn't matter which... Uh, position in the field but uh, my football intelligence was a bit different than the other ones and uh, actually after the game you can see the pro zone and you can, you can see everything what uh, you do on the pitch and uh, most of the times I've been 80% uh, com uh, successful passes but sometimes I, I got some strange passes which uh, uh, they obviously the ball go to the left, the striker go to the right, and if I did one or two passes during the match, that passes where the the striker and the ball totally different ways, <laughs> and supporters said, "Oh, fucking hell!" Okay. <laughs> I'll bleep that out. Though. He, <laughs> he didn't pass it, <laughs> and that's, that's normal. Fans, yeah, yeah, yeah. they. They want maximum. They want everything uh, to be good. I think the people, uh, most of the uh, fans who, who know anything about football, remember you uh, as uh, as one of the best midfielders we had at that period, I, um, and and vital to, to to that to, to to the side at the time. Because yeah. uh, if it wasn't for for you, then that midfield trio wouldn't have worked at all. I don't think. Yeah, what uh, what I said before, and Alan Kirbishley always picked me into first eleven. Doesn't matter, right back or centre mid or right midfield. I remember some of the games I play right midfield when Romedal then he stay on the bench. But well, he's the quickest yeah, player yeah, I play yeah. with. 
You still look fit. You still look like uh, you could play. Um, any chance you bring in your boots? No, no, no. <laughs> no, it's, it's difficult. It's a difficult job, especially here in England. It's very hard. You, uh, this is your first opportunity to see Charlton for a while. What did you think of today's game? Today, very good. As I say, a uh, few very good combinations and three very beautiful goals. I think they, they showed today a good, uh, as I say, good face. Good uh, looking playing. Well, delighted you came in to say hello to us. Uh, thank you. Uh, we could speak for hours, but uh, we've got Russell Slade outside. Probably okay, come in, in a second. But uh, really, uh, thank you for coming in. We're going to have a photo opportunity, no question, in a second, if that's all right. Um, good luck with your, your career, uh, if it's thank managing or, uh, or or restaurant owners, whichever you're doing. Yeah. Uh, maybe we'll pop along to Bulgaria and, uh, and, and come I'm and there. eat at your restaurant. I'm there. Okay. okay. Appreciate you coming in. Uh, when will you be back? Any Any plans? When? Do you come back? Any plans? To I don't back? know. No? I don't know. Okay. Well, hopefully you'll pop in and see us again. Yeah. Appreciate it, really. Thank you. Thank Cheers. you. Dennis is fed in, lovely touch, goes round his player, chips across the box, Jackson, oh yes, what a goal by Johnny Jackson, arriving late in the box, Holmes Dennis with a pinpoint cross, and the skipper's given Charlton the lead. Charlton live. One of my all-time faves, Radistan Kishishev. Uh, he's certainly learned the English language, hasn't he? Oh God, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Beep. <laughs> uh, great, great, a great interview. Great to hear from him. And, and we are all definitely going to Kish's restaurant place, aren't we? Yeah. Try, try and expense it somehow, won't we? We'll go out there. <laughs> Charlton live expenses. I'm on easy chair at the moment, booking flights. <laughs> Right, um, uh, there's ten minutes left here on Charlton Live. We've still got a few emails that I've saved to the end because they're all about the same incident. And this is um, yeah, yesterday was one of the most enjoyable days we've had at the Valley since, uh, well, in, in, in a little, pro- probably this season. In fairness, God knows when. But um, uh, in, in terms of uh, the, the feelings of the fans coming together and again, and the, uh, the the good feeling about the the teaming up with the Coventry fans and and how much uh, recognition the fans got for their hard work and, and the the protests and the three points on the pitch it all made for a, a very enjoyable day. Now as I was uh, coming downstairs to um uh to to, to you know to go at, at the back of the West End to go into in, into the press room there, there was there was something it, it, wherever it was had already started there was something kicking off below me on the West Lower and I filmed a bit on my phone you can't really see what's going on. Uh, but reading about it transpires that it would appear that a fan has been uh, has been who's, who's been waving a, a North Korea flag. Not the only one. There's plenty of fans who had North Korea flags yesterday. Uh, was um, apprehended by uh, some sort of security personnel. And when you look at the photos, these security personnel are completely unmarked. There's no there's no obvious ID on them. And obviously, if you know, so, so they could have been anyone. Mm. And they decided to to try and apprehend. And, and this uh, caused. You know, caught the attention of the Charlton fans standing around. Um, so it was a horror. It was a it was a nasty looking incident. I, I don't know, if, Dave, if you if you know more about this incident. I, I know, know as much as it, yeah, I know as much as you from from what what I've read on Charlton Life, the thread that's on there, uh, and from tweets that have been tweeted out and everything like that. I mean, from what I understand, is he you know he was in the ground. He was. Um, holding the flag up, he was giving certain stewards the run around, and um, okay, he was being a bit lippy in the ground and everything like that, possibly. But outside of the grounds, he's left the game, and he was apprehended outside of the ground. 
That's what I don't, you know, after the game had I, finished. That's what I don't understand. If, no. If this fan is, if the game has finished and this fan is now going home, then surely if the club had decided he was posing some sort of security risk inside the stadium, surely that risk is completely gone now. Yeah. Because he's going home. Yeah. If and, it, it, it doesn't make it like if you're given a dispersal order by the police and you're going home, they don't then arrest you. It's like, oh, hang on, you're still here. Well, I'm leaving. Mm, it, yeah. it doesn't make any sense at yeah. all. I mean, where did this order come from? Who ordered them to go after? And who are these people? I mean, covert security guards. I mean, I've posted a couple of photos up on on Charlton Life. I was in with my camera yesterday because I, you know, I'd, I'd been tipped the wink that that there was a t-shirt protest going to happen, so I wanted to get a couple of photos of it. But I knew. You know, I'll zoom in on the uh, the um, uh, the director's box, and after cropping the picture up, you can see the two of the guys sitting in there that were involved in this incident. So they're obviously, I hate to say it, they're they're, they're employed in some capacity by the club. There's one there's one clear photo of one yeah. of the one of these guys sat there with Tony Kearhan, yeah, with the chief operating officer yeah. here. So, so so these people, if we're being honest, they must be employed by the club. They must be. So they've gone out and they've they've apprehended this lad. Where you know. I think SIA rules say they should be wearing or, or have visible identification on them. There was none, and no wonder people were kicking off because these unidentified people had grabbed this kid out of the out of the thing. Allegedly, they were around his neck or anything like that. Photos, prove you know, photos prove it as well. So, what's going on here? I mean, I got to say, this isn't Charlton Athletic. Mm. This isn't Charlton. We don't do that. Yeah. What and the hell has happened to our club? Yeah. And uh, for balance, we'll have quickly the Metropolitan Police spokesman said that officers at the ground were aware of an ejection by ground staff. It was not a criminal matter. The man was spoken to by officers and no offences were alleged. Should any allegation be made to the police, uh, it would be investigated as, as appropriate. So if the person involved wishes to make an, an allegation, if they feel they were unfairly reprimanded by you know I, I don't know the laws on private security on private land I don't know what the rules are there but surely if you're leaving the ground and you're attacked by someone who's not wearing any markings I mean the, the thing is if, if this guy is not wearing any markings which is what it appears from witness yeah. statements and from photos I've seen then how how, how does the, the fan in question know that these people are any have any power if they have any power at all how, how does he know he's not just been attacked by another fan exactly I mean you don't know if they've got no identification on them if they're not showing their SIA badges or anything like that outside of the ground you expect this to be somebody going after you so you know the police did turn up afterwards we've seen the video and I've had a good look at it and everything like that I saw police running down uh, Floyd Road afterwards and the horses came in as well to, 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 to get people away apparently yeah. so it could have been a real flashpoint the other thing is these protests have been entirely peaceful. I mean, sure, there's been some bad language yeah. from people involved, and, and you can argue that, but there's, no, there's never been anything physical that, 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 that re- requires that level of intervention, surely. I've, no, I've got to say that. It, it's, I hate saying it. If it is what it appears to be, a line's been crossed. And there's a danger. Um, there is a danger there. Danger that that's once dangerous. That line, once, once, once a line yeah. is crossed, and they're, they're, I mean, I mean because that we're gives, football fans, we know yeah. we know some of the yeah, people exactly. are, are no angels, and if it's exactly. started, then that's going to that that risk snowballing as well. Yeah, and that's why exactly. it's so, it was such an ill-advised piece of work there by whoever made that order. It was so stupid. 
Uh, Charlton Athletic spokesman said the individual involved was stopped due to his antisocial behaviour before, during and after the game following complaints from supporters. An investigation is ongoing and we can assure our fans if any staff acted inappropriately we will take the necessary action. So that's uh, the the club and the police's uh, point of view. We've had a few emails, we've only got a few minutes left but to be honest, Maritime aren't really on anymore, so we might pop okay. over slightly. <laughs> can, can, I, can I just say something? that I think this, this is something, I think the trust, we've got a supporters' trust, this is why we've got a supporters' trust, exactly for instance like this, and I hope that the trust are going to take this forward with the Football Supporters' Federation, because this needs to be looked at. What happened yesterday was totally and utterly out of order. It should never have happened. This is Charlton Athletic Football Club, we don't do that. We don't have covert security. We shouldn't have covert security. We shouldn't be needing covert security because we're not the type of fans that do that. You know, so this is this has been brought to a head. And why has it been brought to a head? Quite simply, because this owner hasn't listened to the fans. He's disregarded everything the fans have said to him. He's disregarded the history. He's blatantly, blatantly employing people who don't know how to run a football club and have gone on and, what can I say? You know, I, I'm just I'm just getting angry about it again, Louis. I was angry about it when I read it last night. I just want to say that Charlton, this is just one of the reasons why Roland has got to sell and go. Because he's done something to Charlton that wouldn't have happened ten years ago. Wouldn't have happened when Peter Varney was the chief executive. Certainly wouldn't have happened when Steve Waggett was the chief executive. Or wouldn't have happened when Cav was the chief executive. You know, these things would never have happened. They would never have let it got there. But... It's happened under this regime, and that is a line that's been crossed in the sand, and I'm sorry, that really has opened up a can of worms that they may not be able to, to, to contain, because there are fans out there itching, itching for a fight, and that's what worries me. Mm. And, uh, you know, as, as a radio show, I guess the, be the best thing we could try to say is don't rise to it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, that was antagonisation from a, uh, someone who appears to have been employed by the club and someone who was leaving the stadium. If they are employed by the club. If, yeah. if they are if employed they are. by the club. Yeah. But it, you know, everything points to that from what I've seen so far. This fan was leaving the stadium from what I've heard from witness reports. You know, sure, I, I can imagine that he was probably... I don't know. The, I don't know who he is. I, I can imagine he was probably shouting and swearing in the ground, as, as everyone does at football. Just because he's waving a, a North Korean flag around, that it didn't seem it didn't have any wording on that flag. No, no it didn't. No. It obviously, no. a North Korean flag carries a message that, to be fair, is being proved mm. by exactly what happened yesterday. Now, we're not the only fans who are angry about what we saw uh, outside the West End yesterday. Murray Anderson, uh, he co he's copied us into a, an email as well, which I won't go, I won't go into because it's too long. But uh, I understand the gist of it. But he's also given us a smaller rundown version. He says, "I was on the verge of giving up on the team I supported for more than twenty years. Such was my despondency." with the way the football is uh, football is in this country is being run. Seeing Charlton and Coventry fans together and witnessing the despicable behaviour of Katrine's goons after the game has put fire in my belly. I will keep fighting until this lot set up and leave our beloved club. Uh, Ross Hildrew says, uh, I did not see how the trouble started outside the West End after the game. It may have been started by overly aggressive stewarding by private uh, security guards. Their actions may well have been acceptable, unacceptable, I don't know. Uh, what I did witness, however, was an angry mob surround the stewards and a police officer who appeared to be restraining someone who clearly wasn't going quietly. Considering they were concerned, I think the stewards behaved in a fairly professional and calm manner. That's not what I've seen on, seen on a video when it comes to a, a few of them. Uh, in what must have been a scary situation for them. I was also very upset to hear some racist language being used by people in the crowd. Not the majority, but certainly some loud-mouthed individuals. 
Uh, this is not acceptable anywhere and certainly not at Cholton. I understand why emotions run high, but such behaviour is a huge turn-off for many who currently support the protest and will only undermine the cause and allow protesters to be labelled troublemakers. Do you think that's why this situation flashpointed? Maybe. Yeah. Uh, whatever the provo- uh, provocation it is, it's important not to lose sight of the fact that this is a family football club and we all come here to support the team, see friends and family and enjoy the atmosphere. The protests will only work if they are conducted in this spirit. Should protests dispen- descend into violence, they will ruin what most of us hold dear. And that's why I, I, I think... Uh, I think Ross is, yeah. re- I, I think everything Card has said beforehand has been very clear that... It's not about violence, it's about peaceful protest. It's about having the right to protest about the owner of the football club that we want removed. Yeah. So it's not... But in fact, you know, what I've seen so far, yeah. I've seen, I don't think I've seen anything but peaceful protest. And, this, and like I said, this was a flashpoint yeah. that was only ever going to end in one way. And if, it, if someone who appeared to be leaving the ground wasn't apprehended in the way that it, it looks like they were apprehended, according to videos we've seen, according to witness statements we've seen then it wouldn't have happened. Let's, let, if, let's see what happens. Yeah, let's some, see what happens. Yeah, I, think this, I think this has got repercussions. I think this one will run. It ran with the national press last night. I think this one will run and run. Yeah, we saw I mean, we saw it, the, the story in the Evening Standard where I got those quotes from today. Uh, Jim Dutton says the treatment of the lad with the flag was a massive overkill and embarrassment to Charlton Athletic. I can only assume that Charlton hired extra security because of promised protests near the director's box, but it backfired horribly. Another PR disaster for Catherine Mayer, especially as these security hard nuts are alleged to work for her on a regular basis. Makes me ashamed of what's happened to the old club. That's uh, Jimmy Seed's uh, grandson there. Uh, finally, there's one from Paul Griffiths which I haven't read yet, and it's sort of about the uh, the protest. But I think I should because he's emailed it in anyway. It says, "Dear all, well, what a difference three points makes to how you feel on a Saturday yes. night. Even the long drive home through some of the worst rain I can remember did not matter. Joining the march before the game is so uplifting to experience two sets of fans joining together, and the sheer range of Charlton fans joining, and of all ages from our youngest fans to our oldest, was so typical of our great club. Inside the ground, the pigs were a genius idea, and the sight of series of serious sports Twitter feeds he must be talking about my one uh, <laughs> saying match delayed pigs on pitch is just amazing on the game and thought we looked shaky at first but for an amazing late tackle by Pierce brave block by Solly in the post mm. we could have been behind but once scored it seemed to stop Coventry's sautés forward and we looked comfortable especially with the ball on the floor Josh McGuinness was great throughout the game unselfish with setting up Lookman for his goal and taking his goal wonderfully and so well deserved there are still problems and a freedom win does not paper over our midfield which I felt at times especially in the first half did not exist. Of course, the problems off the pitch will remain until Ronan sells the club and Katrine leaves the club. It's alarming to read on social media last night about the young fan being assaulted outside the ground uh, post-match by non-SIA security guards employed by the club. Do we know any more about this? Also, we've told you everything. You know. He says, anyway, at least on the field, things looked brighter yesterday. That's Paul. So uh, that's the last email we've got time for this evening on Charlton Live. Um, uh, time to look forward to something more positive tomorrow. We've got the FA Cup draw. <laughs> uh, you, you're saying just what we chatted about before yesterday because I was saying I was hoping for Bromley v Charlton in the first round. You were, I was you, I was going to say it's definitely going to yeah, be absolute yeah, Charlton. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it's going to be neither of those. No, it's, no, it's going to be neither because they're both out. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so we're looking forward to that. And then Tuesday night, Port Vale. Uh, I'll be up there. Any of you guys coming? Uh, don't think so. No, no, no. Not Wait, at the moment. I doubt it very no. much. Got <laughs> work. That's, a, that's a real shame. But um, <laughs> uh, so I, I think it's about time to end the show because we have gone over time. 
and uh, I think the Nepalese are about to come on on Maritime Radio so we might have eaten into their time as well uh, so thank you uh, thank you Nathan for coming in hope you feel better soon cheers mate thank you very much uh, thank you Tom we'll see you on Thursday yeah I'll be here cheers yeah, Luke. Stuff. and Dave Lockwood uh, don't get to see you too often so it's great to have you back in the studio cheers Louis it's been great hopefully I can do it again Ex- soonish excellent stuff This uh, I've been Charlton I've been Louis Meadows this has been Charlton Live <laughs> Uh, it's been a long show, but uh, I've enjoyed uh, all your, your tweets and your emails. Thanks for sending those over. Uh, we'll be back. Me, Tom, and Nath will be back on uh, on Thursday, where we'll look back at the Port Vale game and we'll look ahead to the Ginningham game. Come on, you Reds. <laughs>